Hello, everybody, and welcome to Paris Cast podcast. And today I have a very special guest, uh, Winston Davis, who is chairman of the Silas Academy and also an entrepreneur. Um, so thank you, Winston, for joining today. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. How are you doing? You okay? I'm good, thanks. So looking forward to get stuck in. Um, so uh, just for those of us that, that don't know uh, a lot about you, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey, your career? Um, yeah. Yeah, 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 sure. Um, yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I was. I was born into a single parent family, challenging upbringing. Um, academically bright, but started making decisions uh, in my teenage years that got me into a lot of trouble. Um, I ended up graduating from university, but then a couple of years later, ended up in prison for possession to intent to supply marijuana. Um, and when I came out, I decided I was going to turn my life around and um, got trained as a heating engineer, ended up building a heating company of 20 guys, and then decided that I wanted to start giving back. Um, so I um, started doing talks in youth clubs, prisons, schools, and whatnot. Um, I've been very active in recent years, different social activism type projects from homelessness to uh, uh, parental rights, um, and in the last few years, I've become the chairman of uh, Southside Young Leaders Academy, uh, which is a, a charity we help and support um, boys, black boys that are facing disadvantages with leadership and educational training development. Um, and generally, I just want to try and uplift and help um, people where I can and say that I contributed in a positive way on my deathbed well that's deep and actually really, really <laughs> inspirational um i mean there's a lot to unpack in there so obviously um you said you came from a single um, parent household and you had a challenge mm. uh, and then you, you delved into crime um was there mm. any because this is quite important for young people listening to this you know is, was there something that really triggered you to follow that path because you're academically bright and just because you have a single parent household doesn't mean that's a negative necessarily mm. I mean, mm. to that but was there something that got you and and made you kind of f follow that path? And then when you came, you know, when you went to prison and you realized actually I want to come out of it. Like, how how did you navigate that in your head? And and were mm, there influences mm. that got you to think, okay, I need um, to different? Yeah, I mean, look. So I think that um, when I start, I mean, I started smoking weed at the age of about twelve. Um, wow. So and that was a kid in a park who said, "Yeah, smoke this." And even at that moment, thinking back, I'm like, realistically, I was looking for acceptance. Right. I was looking for love, even at that very point. That point there, mm -hmm. um, and you know, by showing how you know I could smoke this thing that I was cool or whatever, I thought that that would give me acceptance. Mm -hmm. um, and then as time progressed and then got to the point of having no money, um, there was one day, the moment where it happened, one day we was at uh, we was playing basketball and I was about 15 and it was a winter's evening and there was a group of kids and the group were like, yeah, we're going to go and catch a bus. We're going to go this way, come with us. And myself and a couple of others, we didn't have a penny between us. So we had to walk 
so we had to go the opposite way. And in that walk, we was like, like we've got no money. Like, like they're off. They're probably going to smoke or do what they're doing. Why don't we get some and then we could sell it to them, get ours for free, and maybe we'll have some money left over. And that, and even I think even at that point of in, during that conversation, and we was like, yeah, you know, if the police ever find out about it, that's it. We're going to stop straight away. But in that innocent conversation, didn't know what that was going to lead to. And as time got on, it became more normalized to be doing whatever we were doing, more normalized, more normalized. And all of a sudden, a few years later, and you look back and you're like, wow, where am I now? And I, was, I, I had changed as a, as a person. I had changed my social groups. I changed how I behaved. Um, but when I go, when I've gone back recently and look back at all of it, the one thing which stands out for me is actually that very first moment when I smoked and actually even throughout what I was doing, obviously money was a driver, but it wasn't the only driver because um, I think I had a little Saturday job or something that was giving me whatever it was giving me, but money wasn't the only driver. But the big thing I've looked back on over the years is said, you know what? The real thing which drove me was the wanting to be loved, wanting to be accepted, even though I didn't see it as that. So when I was trying to act bad and 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 you know be be this you know tough guy or whatever, um, all I was really looking for was acknowledgement. The fact that when you walk in someone, people acknowledge you, the people that give you respect, even if it's out of fear. But underlying all of that is yeah. a young man who's looking for love. Yeah, and that's really moving and. It actually comes nicely to the next question because one thing I've always thought is, uh, and as I've gotten older, it's it, we all struggle with belonging and a sense of, you know, even if you're like rich and you have all these people around you, you know, there's always that. And you hear these rappers or musicians where we talk about that. But it's the fact that we do see that young black boys are disproportionately more affected to go into crime and antisocial behavior. And automatically people always go to that it's money or the end. It's clearly not. It's the fact that they don't have this family and that's why they get groomed and even if you look at ISIS which is another extreme of how these people are groomed to go into these terrorist groups it's simply <laughs> just to have somewhere to belong to and so mm. actually empowering young people particularly young black boys to know that they are valued they are contributing to society even though they might not think they are and they are important and so through the academy obviously providing young people young black boys particularly with leadership skills I think that's that's really crucial so what I, I think it's amazing that you even understand that you know that like the underlying cause because not many people get to that point because everyone thinks mm. but the fact mm. that you're using that to kind of change that to young boys but how did you how do you even do that so how does the academy work and how how do the, the kids respond and when you've tried to sell this notion that it's actually a sense of belonging like how was that accepted with people like no, no no they're just they're just bad kids they just want money or because that's what people often go to even in the, yeah. in the community you know they they say that yeah yeah um do you know what i mean it's um i was i was on the, the news a couple of weeks ago um with uh with ann widdicombe um mp right? yeah about prison mm -hmm. and she said the most craziest thing and i kind of i think i was so shocked by what she said i didn't give the response i should have gave right and she said People that commit crime, they basically choose to commit crime to get out of whatever situation they're in. 
Which doesn't make sense. Well, well, yeah, but I've I thought about this a lot since, and it was like, so what? So we're not going to think about the fact that fifty percent of all she said that oh she said seventy five percent of all prisoners are illiterate, and I was thinking, well, yeah, so but that's great. You've got that you've got that statistic there, but you haven't thought about the fact that fifty percent of all prisoners have been excluded from school. Fifty percent of all young offenders have come for the care system. Um, you're you're not thinking about the fact that actually between five to fifteen percent of all of our prison population is made up of ex armed forces, oh. right? So people that have people that have defended this country and oh. people that have served and whatever else are now in prison. So what what I cha- challenge that question is: at what point do people wake up and decide they're going to be criminals? Yeah. Do these kids wake up at 16, 14, 10 mm. and decide they're going to commit crime? Did the people that were there to defend our country and fight for us and put their life on the line, did they suddenly wake up after serving and go, do you know what, actually, I've served the country, I've done my bit, I'm going to commit crime now? Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, no. There, 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 there's factors which cause people to commit crime and to get involved and make decisions in anything they do in life. Mm-hmm. And for... And for young people that are making uh, decisions that are destructive to them for their future, whether it be taking drugs or selling drugs or stealing or committing robberies to get money or to violently attack somebody because that makes them feel better about themselves, Mm. all of these outward... um, outward actions come from a, a place and have a route somewhere which caused them to go along that path. You don't just suddenly wake up one day and take a knife and stick it in someone. Oh, um, you know, you, you know, look, yourself, right? You said you, you went to a good school, right? And you've, you're, you know, you're, at, I'm presuming and, you know, you tell me if I'm wrong, but you, you know, you, you're, you had a stable enough, upbringing to get you into this school to get you through this school and then to whatever you know to the career that you're suddenly on for the idea that you uh, and i know you're a female so you're the statistics say that you're unlikely to anyway but the the fact of even if you was a male but on that path of where you was on educationally to suddenly at 20 years old 19 years old pick a knife up and go outside and stab somebody in the street it's insane It, it doesn't make sense so the fact, so 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 when she made that comment, I'm like, you're forgetting and not even considering all of the factors that have led people onto this, um, onto this, these, the journey to the point where they commit such serious crime that they've broken the law and or end up in prison. And you know, we tie tie that back to the work that we do at SILA um, at and organisations like ours we understand that there are factors that are causing our boys to be on the verge of being socially excluded, whether through exclusion or other challenges they might have financially or culturally. And then the idea is to give them a sense of, we talked about earlier, identity. So a sense of their identity, a sense of their strength, a sense of their power, a sense of what's possible for them. So, People that are um, coming from financially challenging backgrounds, they 
are unlikely to have a lot of what we would term as cultural capital. Yeah, so the fact I'm, I'm of just thinking of that as you're that's so weird because I've literally okay, that's really funny. Yeah. So yeah. go into the theater, go into mm. a museum, go in, go into the seaside. Yeah. These are like what what most um again, so you could talk about middle line families in this country and around the world, but we're talking about UK, England, that standard things to do. Oh, let's go out for a day out. I know, even go to Madden Two Source. Mm. You will go. To, you will go to these things, and you'll get this cultural capital. But if you're, if you can't afford, like now going forward this winter, you can't afford to put your heating on. Exactly. Yeah. Or you're struggling to pay for the, the increases in food. You're not going to be able to necessarily be able to say, right, let's go and do a hundred quid on a trip out to a museum for the day, and all that entails that comes with all of that spending. Mm. So we will do um, different activities and programs around around that and then the core obviously at the program is about around leadership and then once you have been able to build a sense of identity once you've given them that strength of who they are and empowering them you then start enabling them to grasp the ideas of leadership and what it means to lead to lead yourself to regulate yourself to then help influence others in a positive way and alongside the leadership um curriculum um you've we've then got an english and maths um educational support you know like it's obviously crucial that you have your your maths and your english to be able to get out in the world full stop so that's sort of the core of what we do and one of our our sort of poster boys came to us at 12 13 and they said that he was outspoken that he was um, disruptive and on the verge basically of being expelled. Five years later, he got offered a place at Oxford. Oh, wow. Good for him. But he didn't actually take it in the end. But anyway, he oh, got offered it, right? So he made a different choice. But the fact is this. If you're able to, and that's why we say prevention is better than cure. If you're able to intervene at an early enough point, then you can make massive changes. Because goes back to what I said about wanting to be loved, accepted, acknowledged, respected. If you can give this to young boys and show them how they can give it to themselves, the changes like are phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And there's so much in that. Again, I mean, I, I feel like we could probably talk for like 20 hours, but <laughs> so, so cultural capital is important because yeah, I do think having access to um, different things, different ideas, different people is really important as, as well as the mm. core kind of mass English that you need because that's the world that we live in or the system that we live in. Progress. Mm. But I'm also really interested in the kind of confidence thing and, and the kind of the inner inner work inner work that we all need to do to become better people because what I have mm. found as I've gotten older, where, you know, I'm really interested in why people treat people the way they do. So, so this is also like why people do things because there's a situation and then, but then there's someone like you who went through things but decided to be different. So mm. I think it's that whole taking accountability. It's that whole dealing with trauma, which is something I saw on your Instagram, which I mm. super powerful, but it's like things that have happened to you and you, and we can make choices. And so I think mm. really capitalizing on, you know, these kids having confidence and and sometimes mm. that's taught, and sometimes some of us are just born that. You're clearly born that mm. way, but you needed to mm. 
keep on working on it because it's something that can come and go. Hundred percent. But 100%. do you? And then and then I can talk about God because I'm a big I'm a Christian and I think mm. God is the reason for everything and and you know mm. there's a God. But how how do you? How do you incorporate spirituality to these young boys? Do you? Because obviously you seem very spiritual. I've looked at your... Um, how do you... Yeah. And you do yoga or, or... I saw you went yeah. to some healing thing the other day and how... Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, It sounds like I'm stalking you, but... Um... No, 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 no. It's cool. Like, <laughs> the thing is, um, I've been on a journey of uh, self-discovery discovery self-realization and really like looked at myself for probably close on I don't know a long time nearly 20 years um from when I first started studying so I studied psychology at uni right and um well psychology and marketing and it was one day I was in this um psychology class and I was reading about PTSD Mm. and I was reading about it and I was like oh that sounds all really familiar. Yeah, I have it. <laughs> yeah, and um, and I uh, and I read more and more, and I was like, "What?" And that was the first time I ever become aware of what I might have gone through as a as a child, and how it's still affecting me as a young person. Although even at that time, I wasn't able to take. The actions to move shift my mindset enough to be able to make the decisions better decisions that would have ended me up in a better place but mm. that was part that was start of start of the journey so um i mean we we as a charity um there isn't a, a huge there isn't a huge emphasis on spirituality and religion within the charity itself, albeit although a number of the people working and supporting and actively involved in a charity are religious. Mm. Um, but I, um, I'm very... Uh, I don't talk about religion right. to people, full stop, because mm-hmm. I believe that everyone's relationship with God, the creator, whatever you want to term it, is very personal. Absolutely. And, and although massively I believe in God and I pray every day and I give thanks every day and I'm grateful for every moment and breath and the whole lot um i don't i'm conscious of not pushing my my interpretation or or agenda on anyone else because i see how polarizing religion itself is yeah so for me as a man what i found actually is that um i'm just walking it out i don't want to talk about what I'm my ideas are about those things because it's like you're saying it's evident you know and the work I do and the work I've done on myself has got me to a point of um strength stillness balance um and knowing that actually I believe massively everything works out for itself and that I 
knowing that it's not all on me is such a relief. Mm-hmm. And I can just say, do you know what? Let me just submit, accept that I'm just a man, accept that I'm just a human, accept that I'm a tiny, tiny, not even the grain of sand mm. in the in the you know the the size of everything that's gone on in the world now and history before and everything's going to come before i'm absolutely nothing and although i want to do as although i want to do i want to contribute i want to add like i said at the start i want to add you know positivity into people's lives i understand that really in as much as i try what I do is really inconsequential to the the history of mankind and to the rest of mankind. And knowing that it doesn't matter what happens, good or bad, how I perceive it, doesn't matter. Mm. That itself is such a blessing because you can just go, "Ah, it's okay. Not put too much, not put too much pressure on yourself. And I think, so religion and spirituality, again, I find two different things because you can, you can, you can worship grass I mean really it's up to you what you mm. but I think having a sense of purpose which is what spirituality gives people a sense of uh, a purpose and, and I do agree you can't you know force what you believe but I think people being aware that you can have something whatever it is you believe in or whatever that keeps you mm. strong whatever that could mm. be that have that and because that, that gives you you feel like you're living for something you know like um, it could be anything and I think young people knowing that yeah that, that actually coming back to yourself um, which we've all you know I wasn't always like this you know it's something that you have to grow and I think confidence is key mm. basically that's confidence is honestly the most that's why mm. people are crazy literally mm. like people just mm. they don't love themselves like it's really weird and it's so mm. difficult to, it took me so long to understand that you know because mm. This is why we talked about, and you've mentioned about the reasons why people do the things they do. And, and, and when mm. I think we understand that, can we save or can we help, you know, rather than just, mm. you know, the, the, what's what's the end goal? Um, so this kind of brings us nice to the next thing, because obviously your academy can't do everything, can't, because mm. I think, you know, the government needs to do this, local MPs, schools, parents, because mm. Um, mm. it's it's more than just one thing. It's access, it's that, you know, support from a family, mm. the fact mm. that this country's systematic racist races and that's facts nobody sorry nobody can tell me otherwise it's it's in every mm. fiber of society which stops kids mm. from getting black kids from getting access to education to even mm. medical resources access that mm. which contributes to why these kids feel the way they do mm. what else what do you think needs to be done if, if you were speaking to list trust which god that would be awful but <laughs> what, what would you what would what, what what could we tell them about? Because they because Anna Wincombe has only talked. She doesn't want to address the racism, and that's why she's talking about all these other things. But really, it's like mm. no, no, this country is racist and racist mm. and also classist, and that unfortunately the people in the middle are black young kids. Or yeah, I mean, um, well, you touched on two two different things there: um, the race and the class um, challenges in in this country, and. Um, and I, and I think that there's a couple of things on it. Firstly is, um, you know, we've got to be careful, careful because committing crime is not exclusively carried out by young black men. Yeah? That's what they like us to think. No, no, but that's what I'm saying. Let's be, yeah. let's be clear here, right? Like, um, yeah, 
disproportionately um, young black men in certain areas of this country um, have committed crime for which disproportionately they're imprisoned. But in this country, we have this huge issue of social inequality. We and that and disparity between the very rich and the very poor is getting larger and larger. There was a um, there was a um, basically a study, but I think it's for Resolution Foundation, and they were looking at um, this this disparity, and they found I think it was. Between 2020 and 2021, there were, I think there was 24 more billionaires than there were the year previous year. That's more than any year in 33 years of them um, looking at these statistics. And then um, I think it's 2016, 2018, 40% of the population had zero net worth savings and had no money. And um, if... Um, if they if that proportion that 40% saved their money for 400 years they would then be able to um save basically the average wealth of of one of the people from the top 1% wow that's the difference in in where we are as a society so we need to massively we need to massively address the social inequality. Exactly. Yeah. And 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 when we address the social inequality, um, we will then start being able to address the issues around, you know, like I said, why people commit crime. People commit people commit crime because of lack of education, coming from poverty, witnessing domestic violence, the wit witnessing. I mean, there's a. Um, there's a, uh, I talked about it before, talking about adverse childhood experiences study um, with Dr. Vincent Follet from the 1990s, who was looking at how adverse childhood experiences that children go through can contribute to their, um, to their health outcomes in later life. And basically found out the more adverse childhood experiences that you experience, like I said, that, um, you know, lack of education, poverty, domestic abuse and violence in the home and whatnot, the more um, adverse childhood experiences that a child goes through, the greater probability of them developing um, health problems and shorter life expectancies, um, more likely to um, to take drugs, to be drinking, uh, sexual promiscuity, those kind of things, right? And then 2019, Bangor University followed on with that study but looked at prisons and prisoners, and they found that um, fifty percent of fifty percent of the population will have zero um, adverse childhood experiences uh, in in their life in their lifetime or growing up as a young adult. But those that have experienced four or more adverse childhood experiences are twenty more times likely to be in prison. Right. So when you look at it, like there's there's a clear correlation between the things that people go through, particularly when they're younger and they're growing up into the adults going to be and the behaviors that they go through.